Good morning to you. It's a real joy to be back with you. Uh, I've been looking forward to very much to today. And uh, last week we had just a few general remarks about, about prayer. And we want to dig in a little deeper and perhaps get a little bit more specific this morning. Uh, we reminded ourselves that prayer is, is really us talking to God. And reading the Bible is God talking to us. So it's really important that we do both. Because a conversation, there has to be two parts to a conversation, two sides. It's not enough for us just to read the Bible. We, we have to, to pray because we're instructed to pray. That's why having a, what we call a chosen time is really important. We choose to have it or not to have it. Uh, sometimes we do it out of a sense of delight, and that's great. Other times we do it out of a sense of duty, and that's okay. Because we're supposed to be disciplined and to, to learn to uh, do the right things and to make the right choices. I, I have a, a book with me that I'm going to leave with Graham. Um, it's called The Essentials of Effective Prayer. I work with a ministry called Precepts Ministry, and it just is really a way of helping folks to dig into the Word of God because we live our lives at such a pace that we don't often slow down and we can find ourselves speed reading through the Scriptures. And it's really good to slow down and to observe the detail. Uh, and I'm going to leave this with Graham. He's going to look at it, and maybe we'll talk a little bit more about it uh, another time. But it's a, a very useful resource. You see, prayer is so important that it's worthwhile us really digging in and trying to get to know as much as we can about prayer. A, a man called John Henry Jowett said, I'd rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. And I, I really like that. Jesus didn't teach anybody how to preach. He taught them how to pray. And there's something important in that for us to take note of. So I'd like you to take your Bibles and to turn with me to Luke chapter 11. We're going to read the first 13 verses of this chapter. Uh, so we'll read it and then we'll pray together. Luke 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord... Teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us this day, or give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I've nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children are in bed with me. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up, and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness or persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives. He who asks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. 
Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And we pray that God will bless the reading of his word. Let's pray just for a moment. Father, we come to you, Lord, as your children who are hungry. And we we just need you, Lord. Will, will you come and reveal something of your heart to us and teach us a little bit about prayer? Not that it might be an intellectual exercise, Lord, Lord but that it would connect with our hearts uh, and that we might now help as we seek to grow in our prayer lives. Please help us, Father. We ask it in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. You will remember that when uh, Solomon became king after David, uh, God came and said something really amazing to him. It says at Gibeon in 1 Kings 3, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. What an amazing question that was from God. Well, we know that um, Solomon said, Lord, give me a heart that will be able to discern how to lead your people. And God was really pleased, so he blessed him in all sorts of ways. But I just wonder, if God came to you today, this morning, and grabbed hold of you and said, ask for whatever you want me to give to you, I wonder what you asked for. Now, very quickly, you might think, hey, 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 my mortgage, I'd like to clear my mortgage. Or maybe you'd actually think a bit more, well, not just the mortgage, but a little bit more so, Lord, will you give me the ability to make money? You might think that. And then you might think a little bit more and think, well, actually, maybe there are other things that are more important. Will you, will you give me the ability to make friends? That would be great, Lord, if I could really get on with lots of people and get to know them. And then if you thought a bit further, well, you might think, well, actually, Lord, I'd like that, but I'd really love an ability to speak to people about you. To be able to to bring Jesus from the pages of the word and introduce people to him. Wow, that would be just wonderful. I wonder what you would ask for. Because the way you ask or the answer you give to that question reveals what's really important to you. And one day, the disciples... When Jesus was praying, when he finished praying, one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And last week we just made the observation that nobody sits us down and teaches us how to pray, so we kind of muddle through, thinking that if we sit beside somebody who's spiritually more mature than we are, that something will rub up on us. It doesn't really work like that. But the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray, because they wanted to learn how to pray. And if they wanted to learn how to pray, then I suspect that's something we ought to want to learn as well. No matter what skills we already possess, we will never rise any higher than our prayer lives. We are as tall... No, I didn't say that right. What we are on our knees is just how tall we are. That's how tall we are. What we are on our knees. We will never rise any higher than our prayer lives. And the most important part of our lives is the part that only God sees. And the most important words we utter are those that God hears in the place of prayer. 
The man called Gordon MacDonald wrote, In whatever a man does without God, he must either fail miserably or succeed more miserably. But failure is better than miserable success. But if we learn and practice the basic lessons in the school of prayer, do you know we don't have to worry about success or failure at all? Now please understand that prayer is vital. The disciples were privileged to be called by him, to live with him, to walk with him, to learn from him, and they even received power from him to perform miracles. What a relationship they had with Jesus. They were so privileged. And yet they wanted to learn how to pray effectively. Now we know that Jesus left the glory of heaven and stepped as God into humanity. He lived a sinless life. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He even had the Holy Spirit without limit. John 3 says, the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God for God gives the Spirit without limit. So Jesus had the Spirit without limit there were no needs he wasn't able to meet there were no situations that he met that he wasn't able to understand when people tried to make a trap for him should we give this money to Caesar or, or, or not do you remember that and he, Jesus knew that they wanted to trap him and said we give to God what is God's and to Caesar what is Caesar's. No situation he didn't understand. And yet he prayed. And if he prayed, we need to pray too. There's, there's nothing else we can say. If the Son of God prayed, then you and I, we need to pray. And actually, there's some enormous encouragement in here. I don't know if you are familiar with some of the old hymns that we sing. There's one by William Cooper who died in 1800, and uh, the, 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 the hymn is called, What Various Hindrances We Meet. And uh, the verse goes, Restraining prayer, we cease to fight. Prayer makes the Christian's armor bright, and Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Now, I think that's wonderful, because it's true. You might feel, well, hold a minute, I'm not a spiritual giant. I'm just kind of muddling around and I'm beginning. But you need to know that Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. So that means that you and I can exercise a ministry that is really significant. If you go to the book of James, you'll see in James chapter 5, it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other, pray for each other that you may be healed. And goes on to say the prayer of a righteous person uh, is powerful and effective. And it, then it illustrates it. It says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Some versions say Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. And the point of that is that that extraordinary miracle about the absence of rain, the withholding of rain, came in response to his prayer. But the text says as he was just like us. Which means that his accomplishment become our possibilities. Wow, is that amazing? His accomplishment become our possibilities because Elijah was a man just like us. And Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. You want to get him annoyed? Go to a prayer meeting. 
You really want to get him annoyed? Start to pray. Oh, (laughs) that's great. I just love the thought of poking him in the nose. But that's what prayer does. It just annoys him. And he trembles because he has no answer. And it says in Luke chapter 11 verse 2, Jesus said, when you pray. Now, I think that's interesting. He didn't say, if you pray. He said, when you pray. When you pray. And we should all pray. Prayer is a conversation. I I used to pray for missionaries when I hit red traffic lights in Dublin. Oh man, did I meet red traffic lights. A lot of missionaries needed praying for. Uh, It's great just to pray. It's an ongoing conversation. Yes, we have a special time that we've set aside to meet with Jesus. But it's a conversation that goes on through the day. And the Holy Spirit brings things to mind. Maybe the persecuted church. Lord, would you just right this instant reach out and help those who are at this moment suffering for their faith. We can, we can have those conversations because it's a dialogue, a conversation with God. Well, let's just read together the verses in Matthew. And I want to do this for a reason. Let's just let's read it together. So it's Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13. Are you ready? Matthew 6, verses 9 to the, Come on, guys. You can do better than that. Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Well, now, I don't know if you've noticed anything about that, but I found this to be really interesting. That all the personal pronouns referring to those praying are in the plural. Did you notice that? It's our Father. It's not my Father. It's uh, give us today our daily bread. It's not give me today my daily bread. It's give us. And it's not forgive me my debts, it's forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And it's not lead me into temptation, lead me not into temptation, it's lead us not into temptation. So it's all plural and it's not singular at all. Now that's really very interesting to notice that. And that means that when we pray, we do well to remember that we're actually part of a worldwide family. Now the Bible says if one person weeps, then everybody weeps. And yet the church in the West has become so comfortable that we forget to weep because part of our family, our brothers and sisters, are being so persecuted in such a dreadful way. That means our prayers have to focus uh, a focus that goes beyond ourselves and our needs. A little verse in 1 Samuel that, uh, that says, uh, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. It's really important we don't simply pray about ourselves and our own needs. We have a responsibility to pray for others too. That's really very, very important. We ought never to pray for anything that would hurt other people. I, I, I 
I, I was a pastor of a church in the city. You mentioned it earlier, the Finley. And uh, sometimes we, we would hear that there was a church round the corner and God was blessing, you know. And uh, there was the temptation to praise, Lord, well, would, you just, would you just spare a little blessing for us, Lord? But actually, it was much better for us to pray, Lord, we're so grateful that you're blessing those folks. Because, you know, there is no competition in God's work. And if there is blessing in a local church but not here, your heart ought to be, thank you so much, God, for blessing our brothers and sisters. And that way God might very well allow the blessing to spill over. It's very important that we do that. The the plural pronouns remind us that we can't be out of fellowship with a brother or sister and expect God to answer our prayers. That's why it says so so clearly in, in Matthew, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar there, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with them. And then come and offer your gift. We need, need to understand that God says, listen, if you're about to make an offering of worship to me and, and you've fallen out with somebody or somebody's got something against you, give up on the worship because I'm not interested in it. You've got to go first and put it right. Because relationships are so terribly important. The word father reminds us that we have a vertical relationship. But we've also got horizontal relationships. And it's really important to understand that effective prayer demands right relationships with God and with others. There's a graphic just to remind you. If, if our vertical relationship is to be right, our horizontal relationships have to be right. And actually, isn't it interesting? It's in the shape of a cross, isn't it? And that just reminds us. And just to ram the, home, the point home, Psalm 66 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not, would not have listened. So if you want God to listen to your prayers, you have to make sure that your vertical relationship is right, and it can only be right if your horizontal relationships are right. Now, the Bible describes, the authorized Bible describes us as God's peculiar people, and that's pretty accurate, because we are pretty peculiar. Some of us are more peculiar than others, but we're part of a community. And uh, you know the little old poem that says, To live above with saints we love, oh my, that will be glory. To live below with saints we know, well, that's another story. And absolutely is. And yet God puts his love in our heart. And if we find it difficult, what we need is a little bit more love. A little bit more of his love. So that's relationships. And that leads us on to what we might call responsibilities. Well, our responsibilities are to, first of all, honor God's name, then to promote God's kingdom, and thirdly, to obey his will. To honor God's name, to um, promote his kingdom, and to obey his will. Too many of us are a little bit like the prodigal son when we pray, and we pray, Father, give me, give me. I want, Lord, give me. A.W. Tozer said that prayer among evangelical Christians is always in danger of degenerating into a glorified gold rush. God answers prayer. Why? Not because he's concerned about our comfort, but because his, that his name might be glorified, which means that his reputation looks good in a world that pays little attention to him. Before we bring our requests to the Father, we must examine them 
in the light of our responsibilities to the Father and ask, if God answers my, my prayer and gives me this request, will his name be glorified? Will his kingdom be extended? And will it accomplish his will on earth? Or am I just asking selfishly? Selfishly. Sometimes I struggle with the, Lord, please give me a parking place. You know? Is, is that really worth praying about? Sometimes it can be really useful. But, but if it's a big priority, then it's a wrong priority. People who live by faith and depend on prayer become a mystery to the unsaved. A few answers to prayer might be called coincidences. But when there's one answer after another, people have to take notice. And that's how God is glorified. I remember a number of years ago, uh, I, I was conducting uh, the dedication of a, of a, of a child and the grandfather of the child was university lecturer in Edinburgh and he came over with his lady friend, he'd left his wife and he had a, a lady friend who was also lecturing in university and I was doing a, a, teaching a series on a little text from Timothy which says teach yourself to be godly and we just so happened to be on sensuality that particular morning and I thought hold a minute these guys are together they shouldn't be together and I'm going to preach about you know what's right and what's not right and I said well Lord that's all you've given me so I'm going to go for it so we did the dedication and then we went for it and I preached about it quite directly and after the service I went down to the front door and the first person out of their seat was this lady and she raced straight down the back and thought, oh boys, am I in trouble. Anyway, she began to talk to me. And, uh, do you know, she came over from Edinburgh three times to visit me in my home uh, in, in Berestan in the week that I followed that service. And it was so interesting to talk to her. She was an intellectual. She really, and she wanted to intellectualize her way to faith. And I was laughing at her and saying, look, you have to believe in order to understand. If you try to understand in order to believe, it just doesn't work that way. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And you know, it was so interesting. She came every Sunday for about a year and a half, two years, every Sunday morning, over from Edinburgh, to hear the word of God preached. And the wonderful thing was, she, at the end of it, she said, you know... There are so many coincidences that it just can't be coincidental. I, I just have to believe. And she did. And uh, she's had a very difficult life ever since. But uh, she, she began to trust Jesus. And when we pray asking for God's name to be glorified, it tends to take the selfishness out of our own prayers. And she said... Uh, so many coincidences I can't intellectualize my way to God I'm prepared to surrender and isn't that what Jesus did in the garden remember going a little farther he fell with his face to the ground and prayed my father if it's possible may this cup be taken from me yet not as I will but as you will three times he prayed once he prayed father if it's possible and twice he prayed father if it's not possible how significant. So we have relationships, we have responsibilities, and that then brings us on to requests. And there are three requests found in Jesus' prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer that relate to our present needs, our past failures, and our future decisions. But when we pray for daily bread, 
We're praying for much more than food, though obviously we need food, it's a basic need. But it covers what we need to be able to serve God each day. When we're praying for daily bread, we're praying for strength to be given so that we might walk with him, placing our hand in his. Now, someone has said that most people are being crucified between two thieves. Crucified. Most Christians have been crucified on a cross between two thieves. Yesterday's regret and tomorrow's worries. And if that's where we are, then we're unable to enjoy the blessings of today. But for his own children, the Lord forgives our past sins. He provides for our present needs, not our greeds. And he guides us in our future decisions and circumstances so we don't have to worry. And yes, we've been talking about persecuted Christians. And the awful suffering that some are going through even as we speak. And yet God has said, my grace is sufficient. Not might be sufficient, but my grace is sufficient. Well now, having taught a little bit about uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer, Jesus goes on and he teaches a parable. And, And the fact that he puts the parable beside the Lord's Prayer is really interesting and very significant. Let me read it to you again. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I've no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give you the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Well, I, I used to believe that this parable was teaching us that we needed to be persistent in prayer. I thought you've got to, you've got to knock, you've got to keep knocking, you've got to bother the life out of God. And, and that's what the parable is about. But then I had a light bulb moment. The parable isn't about that at all. To, to think that is to misun- misunderstand the parable. Because God is not uh, asleep that we need to wake him up. Our prayers are directed to our Father. And this parable uh, doesn't compare the Father with the surly neighbor. If you think about it, that's awful to think that God might be saying, listen, don't annoy me, don't bother me, for goodness sake, would you ever shut up and let me rest? God isn't like that. This parable doesn't teach us that God is like the surly neighbor. It it doesn't compare the father to the surly neighbor. It contrasts the father with the surly neighbor. And the message of the parable is this. If the grumpy neighbor finally uh, gets up and meets his friend's needs. Look at verse 13. uh, If you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now the word uh, 
boldness or persistence is very interesting in Luke 8. I tell you, though he will not get up and give you bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, there's something really interesting wrapped up in this. That word boldness, which is sometimes rendered persistence, means shameless, shamelessness, shamelessness. So what's that all about? Well, what's really interesting in this is, is if the grumpy neighbor uh, gets up simply to preserve his reputation in his community. Because remember, the law of hospitality is terribly important, particularly in the Middle East. If somebody came and, and wanted uh, hospitality, you were obligated to give your best. Now, that is still the case in many parts of the Middle East. So this man got up because he wanted to preserve his reputation in the community. Well now, the Living Bible says he will get up and give you what you want so that his reputation won't be damaged. Isn't that interesting? He will get up and give you What do you want so that his reputation won't be damaged? So God answers prayer to preserve his reputation. And that brings us right back to the start of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. You see, God answers prayer for the glory of his name. That's why he answers prayer. He doesn't lend us what we need and expect us to pay him back. He gives us as a loving and generous father. He knows what we want, and he knows what we need, and he knows the difference between the two. And the parable challenges us not to pray only when we have midnight emergencies, but to pray every day. Every day. All the time. Luke 11 verse 3. Give us each day our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. You see, prayer isn't bothering God. It's not bargaining with God or borrowing from God or even burdening God. True prayer prayer is actually blessing God. Why? We bless the Father because we love him. We trust him. We know that he meets our needs. And when we come to him like that, we honor his name because we're depending on him. The love in our hearts responds to the love in his heart. And we know that the answers he will give are exactly what we need. We never have to fear any answer to prayer. For the answer comes from the heart of a loving father. And if we ask him for bread or or for an egg, he won't give us a serpent or a, a, a scorpion. The father always gives the best to those who leave the choice with him. Now, I don't know about you, but my problem is that I'm prone to ask for snakes that I think are bread and scorpions that I think are eggs. You'll ask a little child, what would you like to have for lunch? Mars bar. (laughs) You know? But if you have Mars bar for lunch every day, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good, isn't it? And God the Father loves us. So he's not going to give us stuff that harms us. 
Our Father does not sit in heaven thinking, well, I want to put a banana skin in front of those folks today. Now, where shall I put it so they'll have a big stumble? He doesn't do that. He always acts in a way that is consistent with his character. And his character is such that he will never be unkind and he will never be ungracious or unwise. And the truth is, it is a mark of maturity when you've lived long enough to be thankful that God hasn't answered all your prayers. That's a mark of maturity. And that brings us on to the Holy Spirit, because it says in uh, um, verse uh, 13, If you then, though you're evil, know how uh, to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more, Will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. How much more? Isn't that a wonderful phrase? How much more? It applies beautifully to our God. It is God's will that we ask our Father to meet our material, our physical needs, and of course the needs of others. But we mustn't stop there. The prodigal son repented of his sins and he came home to the father. He didn't plan to pray, Father, give me. He planned to pray, Father, make me. Remember, make me like one of your hired servants. He was concerned, you see, about character and service, not about possessions and enjoyment. And I think we are to pray, asking the Holy Spirit to grow the fruit of the Spirit in our own lives. And sometimes we're tempted, oh God, would you just change the circumstances? When really the prayer ought to be, Lord, would you change me using the circumstances so that I might be all that you want me to be? Would you grow the fruit of the Spirit in my life, Lord? Because I need so much to be more like you. The challenge that we face is to make Christ visible in a world that knows nothing about him. So, when the world looks at us, they ought to be able to see something of the beauty of Jesus. Now, when you think of what we are, that is a huge big ask, isn't it? But Peter writes about that in his second little epistle. He says, look, make every effort. And I think that involves perspiration. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutually, mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, did you see what it says there? You see there is the possibility of us being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of Christ Jesus. And actually, doesn't that affect so many of the churches and so many folks in churches? So when we're talking about prayer, fundamentally, we're beginning to pray, God, would you just work in my life so that you might make me into the person that you want me to be, so that I might be productive and effective in my knowledge of Christ Jesus? The... The epistle to the Corinthians talks about the fragrance of Christ. We are the aroma of Christ amongst those who are being saved. And my, my wife, uh, when we were over in America just a few weeks ago, my wife bought me a Christmas present. It's a particular uh, aftershave or a body, whatever thing you splash on, and she says she really likes it, so I'm looking forward to using it. <laughs> but there you go. We, we, 
the aroma. We have nice aromas and we've got nasty aromas. And nasty aromas, oh, wow, we like to move up and move away. Is that right? When we smell something we don't like. But we are the, the aroma of Christ amongst those who are being saved. There's a sweetness, a fragrance, something that's beautiful. And, and that happens when we get serious about prayer and pray that he would have his way in our own lives. Well, next week, God willing, we're going to think about the issue of unanswered prayer. Because sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says wait. And that can cause us to struggle, so we're going to think about that. So thank you for listening. Let's just pray. Oh, before we pray, let me just wrap up by reminding you that um, prayer isn't a luxury, it's a necessity, so we must pray. Prayer isn't bothering a grumpy friend, but approaching a loving and a patient Heavenly Father who never sleeps. Prayer isn't borrowing from a neighbor, but receiving gifts from God, and it's all of grace, it's all of God's kindness. Prayer isn't just for our good and our comfort, prayer is primarily for God's glory. And that prayer isn't only just for emergencies of life, but prayer is to be a daily experience. It's a daily experience. I love to sit beside in a prayer meeting somebody who knows how to pray. I find my heart challenged to get to know God better. Paul writes to the Thessalonians and he says, pray continually. So keep on asking, seeking and knocking by faith. And you don't ever have to be afraid of the answers that God sends. He will never send you a snake or uh, a scorpion when you're hungry. And prayer means asking for the best blessings of the Holy Spirit and not just for the material uh, needs of life. Both are really important. And we are reminded that the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And that's what we are to do too. Lord, teach us how to pray. So let's do that just now. Father, we thank you so much for being with us. We thank you for your precious word that we've just been thinking about. We thank you that that uh, parable is not about persistence and about us having to wake you up as though you were asleep. Thank you, Lord, that you're, you tell us in the Psalms that he who watches over Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. You're always on the job. Thank you so much, Lord. And you know our hearts today. You know who's encouraged. You know who's discouraged. You know who's mourning, Lord. You know who's grieving. You know who's pain, in pain. Please, Lord, minister to each of us as we need you to. And then help us that we might become a people who pray. We ask it, Father, for the glory of your great name. Amen.